Digital Dust is a history podcast about the stuff you learned in school with a perspective you might not have considered. Hey everyone, welcome back to Digital Dust. I'm Liz. I'm Katie. I'm Robin. I'm Patrick. <laughs> Let's dive into episode four today. Woo! That's Woo. awesome. Four episodes in. Four episodes wow. in. Four. We're still here. We're, yeah. we're still here. And we're actually starting one of our like real topics. Like last week was a real topic, quote unquote. <laughs> but this week, this is a real topic. Real. Oh, Every yeah. week it's like this is a real yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah. Episode <laughs> Progressively 100. more real. <laughs> yeah. Well. well, I guess I'll tell us what we're what we're gonna be talking about today, because I'm taking the reins. Which <laughs> you better add that in. <laughs> Which <laughs> can we can we do a quick comparison between that and a, a real sound effect of a whip, just to, yes. just to see how good. How it good was it amazing. Insert that here. Yeah, was that you, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be busting some myths um, and maybe a hex or two. I'm just kidding. We're not going to be breaking any hexes today. But we are talking about something that is near and dear to my heart, which is witchcraft. More specifically, the history of witchcraft and some of the myths and misconceptions of witchcraft that have come out of history. So we're going to be diving into a gendered reading of the history of witch trials and persecutions. We're also going to be talking about feminism and how um, it's kind of reinvented witchcraft into this neo-pagan spiritual movement. And yeah, I have a very detailed history of the origins of witchcraft as well. We so buckle it. in. It's going to be That's good. That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> what do like, when I say like witchcraft or witches, mm-hmm. like what do you guys think of? Black right cats. Away? What do you see in your brain? Black cats. Yeah. Pointy brooms. Hats. <clears throat> Cauldrons. Uh, oh yeah. Minerva McGonagall. Yep. Professor McGonagall. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys see more of the like the hag or like the green skin and the nose and, the hag. yeah you know? i mean it sounds horrible to admit but yeah <laughs> yeah that's okay i think that's that's good witchcraft it's a very highly contested topic that even the dictionary definition of witchcraft is filled with a lot of really outdated ideologies it's just it's kind of stupid really okay so according to the oxford english dictionary witchcraft is the practices of a witch or witches the exercise of supernatural powers supposed to be possessed by persons in league with the devil or evil spirits so this definition is going to come back kind of throughout the episode as we start to unpack how the myth of devil worship and evil spirits and like magical powers has come to be associated with the contemporary kind of witchcraft is like how we practice magic. I guess I'll start by saying that I do practice witchcraft. I don't have magical powers. I don't worship Satan. Two strikes yeah, so. already. Yeah, wait, <laughs> what? I thought we were talking about witches today. <laughs> It's okay. We're still going to talk about Satan lots and all of those kind of hilarious things and how these tropes that you see in your mind came to be. All right. So the origins of witchcraft and paganism is actually really interesting. Witchcraft, as we know it today, is deeply rooted in paganism, and it predates Christianity by thousands of years. Specifically, the archaeology of pagan art and artifacts dates back to the Paleolithic era uh, about 25,000 years ago. So many of the beliefs and motifs of modern paganism stem from early civilization where spirituality was informed by the surrounding environment. So 
nature, of course, it wasn't just a means to survive, but it was literally an overwhelming force in everyone's life. The wind, the weather, the seasons were all subject to our, you know, favorite human pastime, which is why. Who's controlling the wind? Is it Bill Gates? I don't know. He is now, actually. <laughs> he is now. He's microchipped us. He is God. Yeah, so these kinds of questions, they led to animism, understanding how some divine force like Bill Gates controlled the wind or the weather or the seasons. And as many societies back then were hunter-gatherers, especially when I say Paleolithic, I'm like, cavemen, hunter-gatherers, ooh. But they evolved gender roles that kind of formed around the duties that men took on as hunters and providers, while women are responsible for the reproduction of people and gathering resources like plants <laughs> and as hunting evolved spirituality began to be infused into daily life which is where most um, primal deities came from the kind of basic of these being the god and the goddess which are aspects of masculinity and femininity hunting was one of the most important aspects of life so much so that it began to take on divine form the belief that there was a god of the hunt, and many of the animals hunted at that time were horned. So they were elk, they were deer, or some uh, primitive version of that. And so the god of the hunt took on those attributes. The horns, um, the kind of half man, half elk body, and cloven feet as well. So the god of the hunt took on this divine form, and soon rituals were developed to attract success in the hunt. Communities would make life-size clay models of, like, a bison, and they would pretend to attack it and kill it so the real hunt would end successfully. So this giant character that you're describing is now what we know today as something really evil. Like, that's such an evil symbol. It is, And yes. you're saying that it was good, that we were, we were calling upon this spirit? Totally. But again, it wasn't it wasn't the devil. So the thing that's going to come back around so much, it's kind of hilarious that people think that witches worship the devil because in witchcraft or at least in paganism, there is no devil. There is no devil figure. And so why would non-Christians worship a Christian figure, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll get into kind of how Satanism started and how it's different. And honestly, I don't know if you like if you've seen some of the, the other documentaries like Hail Satan that are out or at least some of these really interesting kind of satanic groups that are coming forward and using the religion to um, like protest, whether it be statues like why are we memorializing a specific Christian figure and why can't I put a figure of the devil or some sort of satanic text or whatever why can't i also celebrate that and memorialize that in public so it's quite interesting so the satanists are totally different than pagans because again it is a sect of christianity because satan is a christian figure if that makes sense yeah it does <laughs> it does okay good <laughs> again talking about the hunt they would kind of pretend and they would even wear antlers and they would kind of dress as this god figure as he was kind of directing the hunt and so this is kind of the earliest form of what we call magic which is really manifestation or spirituality basically this is the outcome that i want from this situation and so i'm going to kind of act that into reality into being so it'll come true so just like everything in life, there needs to be balance and equal opposites. So the god also needed a goddess. And the goddess, uh, she embodies femininity. She'd be responsible for fertility, 
there needs to be fertility if, if there is going to be a continuation of human life if you're relying on hunting animals. And there is research to suggest that fertility rituals at the time meant to bring fertility to animals would be performed through humans having sex. Spicy. <laughs> Again, it makes sense. If you want this to happen in reality, you act it out. <laughs> <laughs> I want an A on my test, so I'm going to act out getting an A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Katie's saying no. <laughs> Be the change you want to see. Yeah, exactly. Just, I'll put the A on it for the for the prof already. He'll get it. Sex is um widely accepted more, and it's just kind of like a fact of life. And it's definitely something we're not really used to in Western culture. Mm. And it's something that I'm still getting used to as well. Ostara's coming up, which is the spring equinox which is a lot about sex and because it's about fertility. Uh, it's about spring and renewal and regeneration. And so, again, it's fertility and a lot of that is sex. Yeah, that's just uh, plants do it. Animals do it. We do it, too. <laughs> Heck yeah. Anyway, so this um, goddess of fertility, she took on a similar form to how the god was created. And the very first icon of the goddess that we have is a clay model called the Venus of Willendorf. And she was found in Willendorf, Germany. And she dates back to 30,000 years ago before Christ or before common era. I'm a bad pagan. I just said before Christ. Um, <laughs> they're the same anyway. They both rely on the fact that Jesus was born at a specific time. <laughs> but yeah, so she is thousands of years old. And it's extremely obvious when you look at her that she is meant to represent femininity and sexuality she has very enlarged breasts she's curvy and full-figured and she's depicted as kind of like pregnant looking like she has a large belly and she also has over exaggerated genitalia and this symbol of femininity started to become associated with the great provider and with mother earth um, so femininity and earth are very very aligned and the earth is always pregnant with possibility and abundance so the god became the horned god so he's often called kernonos which um translates to of the woods god of the woods uh also known as the green man have any of you seen the wicker man either the horrible nicholas cage version or the original <laughs> you should watch no. it it's really good so basically well okay have you ever seen the nicholas cage meme where there's like the bees at his eyes that's what it comes from the bees. My eyes. that's the movie it comes from because in the end all the like pagans torture him with bees it's hilarious because oh, he's allergic to bees i think sorry <coughs> it's okay well, don't have to watch that one, no no, no you should still watch it it gets worse than bees so oh but anyway <laughs> it all revolves around the, this uh festival about the green man and it's the same festival as midsummer mm. um which is also called called Letha. But yeah, so we have the horned god who's known as again Kernonos or the green man. He's often depicted as like his face is leaves or like Groot. I always think of Groot every That's time fantastic. I think about the green man. <laughs> I love him. He's on my keychain. He's so cute. I love Groot. I am Groot. As people kind of spread around the globe, so did this religion that they had kind of evolved with, um, specifically the god and goddess. And they took on many forms and iterations, which came to ancient Greece, Rome, India, the UK, and beyond. New gods and goddesses emerged for everything that could be a part of daily life, from war, so you have the god of war, Mars, 
You also have gods for specific seasons, for specific plants and animals and activities. And in pagan witchcraft, we continue to worship the god and goddess in many forms. The ones that I personally use uh, on my altar, you should... The god and goddess represents balance, so you should always have both of them represented. So I use Kronos, or, or the green man, and I also worship the triple goddess. There's three of her. She represents the three stages of life as a woman, but also represents the phases of the moon. So there's the maiden, which is the waxing moon, the mother, which is the full moon, and the crone, which is the waning moon. So the maiden and the crone are two figures that you see a lot depicted in the media. The maiden being Sabrina, being Samantha from Bewitched, these really kind of gorgeous, benevolent witches. And then the crone is your classic hag. Yeah, that's where that comes from. Classic hag. Right? Yeah. So in witchcraft, we fully embody that because, again, that's like your wisest form. But Katie, I don't know how good your like Greek mythology is, but the Greek equivalent of the triple goddess is Hecate. Um, yeah, there's yeah. I have her on my altar. So there's three of her and she represents those three stages of, of life. Yeah, nice. there you go. It's pretty neat. So keep in mind for later, which Robin kind of touched on a little bit already, but the figure of the horned god and what that kind of signifies. The so, devil. The devil. So <laughs> as spirituality continued to become more mature and sophisticated, special persons within the community kind of took the lead of performing rituals and rites, and they also kind of served as knowledge keepers and did things like healing. And these people came to be known in the Anglo-Saxon realm, I guess, as Wicca uh, or Wicca, and it means the wise ones. And the Wicca formed a council called the Witan, and they would be consulted by kings and rulers, and they would also be used to retain knowledge of medicinal herbs and lore. They would practice magic or manifestation and divination, and they mediated relationships between the community and with the divine. So if you think about going to your church and talking to the pastor or the priest, it's that same figure. But suddenly, Christianity erupted all over Europe. Thanks, Constantine. Hi, yeah, welcome. Love him. I he's <laughs> one person I would have loved to meet. No, I said welcome. Yeah. Oh. Welcome. Robin <laughs> is <welcome>. Constantine. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from Constantine. Oh, literally. That's what it is. I'm like taking yeah. over. I am Constantine. You <laughs> You're also Bill Gates. You're also Bill Gates. <laughs> I've reincarnated a few times. <laughs> so, again, as kind of Christianity started to spread, paganism became known as the old religion, which, unlike Christianity, what had developed naturally over the years. So Christianity is very much a man-made religion, as we know. And while paganism is also man-made, like it didn't just come out of the sky, it had taken time to develop from kind of when humanity was starting to get more sophisticated all the way up until Christianity kind of explodes. And it's still going on today. So when Pope Gregory I began his papacy in 509, good old year 509, it feels so weird. There's I remember like the days. Digit. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who were you in 509? Well, you know, in the fields, just working my days away. I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys were there too. Yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. So good. Um, Pope Gregory, he launched what he called a Gregorian mission, which was an attempt at mass conversion 
uh, over all of the pagan Anglo-Saxons in England. So he ordered bishops to smash pagan idols and ruin temples, and then he had them sprinkle them um, with holy water and rededicate them as churches. Classic Christian practice of slap a cross on it, and it's Christian. It's a seal you of know. approval, right? Exactly. Nice exactly. sticker. So the pagans became rivals of the church, and about half of England at that time practiced the old religion or paganism, and the other half was practicing Christianity. So the Christians kind of took pagan iconography like the horned god and reinvented it as the devil, so you could associate pagans as devil worshippers. But the devil, again, is a purely Christian figure who didn't appear in theology until the New Testament. And interestingly enough, Satan is actually a mispronunciation of a Hebrew word from the Old Testament, ha-satan. Uh, it's also from a Greek word, diabolos, which both translate to opponent or adversary. So there's nothing to do with evil. It's just kind of a balance of light and dark. I just have a question, and this could be yeah. answered by any of you. Um... So, from my watching of Supernatural, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, I was raised in <laughs> Presbyterian Church, but um, from my watching of Supernatural, I'm aware that, that Satan was apparently once an angel. Correct or yes. incorrect? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, an how did he become a half-horse devil man then? Is there an explanation, or were they just like, he just changed? It's conversion techniques, isn't it? Yeah. Like, he, like, wants that, to... Yeah, like, the, the image of Satan isn't like the image of, of Lucifer oh. after he's fallen and is the devil, Lucifer. like the, the painted one. Oh, that's yeah. his name. I forgot. Yeah. But like, like when he's like painted in art or different things like that, he's depicted as more of like a sort of pagan figure to, to yeah, like, like Liz and Robert Was that saying. because he just like morphed himself into this to like disguise himself or? It's the church. It's the it's, church, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that isn't based in theology. That's just based in, that, that's just, that's just the church trying to convert people to Christianity. So they make him look like, yeah. Wait, no. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I think it's maybe Old Testament. They tell you what God looks like, and he's just an eye. The image changes quite a bit. Yeah. Interesting. Also, I mean, to limit our, our conversation about Christianity right now, because obviously we want to focus on this, but uh, there is a problem with, like, different interpretations of the Bible and different books that are in different Bibles for different denominations. So, for example, Robin's answer as a Catholic might be different than my answer as an oh, Anglican. Sure. might be different as your yeah. answer as a Presbyterian. So, yeah. The general consensus is that Lucifer, fallen angel, becomes Okay. Devil. Just wanted to confirm that for myself and for listeners. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is weird. It's like how things that are accepted as facts, but like, yeah, how, we never think about how did that come to be. And I think, too, the church, when they did that, was also kind of trying to associate the devil with the fall from grace and, like, losing your humanity a bit, too. Yeah, it is quite interesting because they did quite a flip, eh? There was no yeah. iconography before. Like, there was no... It was against it was just our religion to yeah. look at images. And then it switched pretty quickly. Yeah. They yeah, wanted to true. make money. They were like, what if we sold pictures of him, though? I don't know if that's what it was. <laughs> we tempt we them. It was the stained not- glass. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, I just wanted to ask to clarify because um, I've also been told that uh, Satan is sort of partly a depiction of um, Pan, the, yes. the god Pan. Yeah. I don't know if that kind of yeah. plays into this story at all, if that's something different. but It totally does. So Pan is another iteration of the horned god or okay. of Kronos. Yeah, that's what's so interesting is that they just like copy and paste into every culture. Right. Um, and the Greeks and the Romans had like several different ideations Interesting, because Pan is associated with Dionysus, right? Yeah, that's right. Who's the yeah. god of wine and, like, drinking, and partying. And, and good times. Yeah. <laughs> and good, good times. Theater and, yeah. 
Interesting. If you want good times, call Dionysus at 666. <laughs> <laughs> it's on our speed dial. Sick burn. Yeah. <laughs> that was a pun. Did you guys get the pun? That no, I did. Good. Burn. Good. You know, like Hellfire. It's great. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> I don't think I like that. Are you speaking as Robin or as some other entity right now? <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Bill Gates does We're not like my Gates. <laughs> Okay. So pagans, again, as kind of Christianity started to rise in popularity, they were pushed to the outskirts of cities and they started to become country folk who had practiced the old ways in peace. And the name pagan actually is a Latin word. Pagani, it looks like. It looks like a pasta name, like penne. Pagani. Pagani. Pagani um. risotto. I like yeah. mine al dente. Al dente. Yes. Al dente pagans. That's so bad because they were burned. Hang on, it's not even pasta, but. <laughs> Thank they you. I was waiting for that. Oh. Brings a whole new meaning to double, double toilet. And- <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this so just got really dark. <laughs> really so did. It's okay. I feel like yeah, we're we're heading to a, an even more dark place, and so I think humor is a good way to look at it. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Pagani, <laughs> which means the people who live in the country. The Romans also called them heathens, which kind of translates from talking about the hearth. It was just people who lived at home, people who were simple country folk. Eventually, the church created legislation to criminalize pagans, and this is most well known as the Malus Maleficarum, which was written in 1486 by these two German monks, Heinrich Instorius Kramer and Jacob Sprenger. And they were assholes. When I was doing research for this, like I'd already known about the Malus Maleficarum. I didn't know that they took it to a bunch of German theologists at like the theology department at the University of Cologne. And they, I guess they didn't really care. They're like, we don't care about whatever witches are doing. Like, this is dumb. We don't want any involvement in it. But in order to push their agenda, Kramer and Sprang, Kramer, I'm thinking of it's like Seinfeld. Um, the Seinfeld guys came. Yeah, it's that guy. Uh, Kramer and Sprenger, they didn't care much about their approval because they actually just forged the approbation document. They forged the signature of the entire theology faculty. And this wasn't known until 1898. Oh, that they oh forged my God. That Isn't that crazy? How do they wow. know that they forged it? Do you know? I don't know. I, I need to look more into it. That's if anyone else wild. out there knows. Yeah, oh, I have yeah. no idea. They really said, mm, I don't care. I don't need your approval, Dad. I'm doing <laughs> yeah. what I do. Everyone was just like, whatever, they're idiots. They never checked in again. And look what happened. Oh, goodness. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so this document, the Malus Maleficarum, is what started to cultivate a lot of mass hysteria throughout Europe about witches and all the evil things that they could do to you. And they started to trigger a lot of persecution. And this persecution would last for 300 years and would leave about 80,000 people dead. So it started around 1450. And the last historic witch trials lasted until about 1750. But we will talk about later how witch trials are very much continuing today as well, just in a different form. 
So the hysteria was so greatly internalized by a lot of people. I find this is a very interesting story. This is one of the earlier witch trials that happened in England was a young woman in Lancashire. Actually, this is quite interesting. We're coming up on just about 400 years ago. A woman in Lancashire on the 18th of March in 1612, her name was Alison Device, and she accused herself of witchcraft because she cursed an elderly peddler who ignored her when she asked if she could buy some pins from him. Uh, he just walked right on by and she cursed him under her breath. Now, cursed as in like, you're an asshole, not like, <laughs> ooh, blah, 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 I'm gonna, you're going to die in your sleep and whatever else. It was literally like what everyone else does. She cursed him because she was frustrated. And the old man, as he was walking away, immediately fell over and died on the spot. <laughs> yes, ooh. serves him right. Yeah, wrong right? place, wrong time. So what we know now is that he likely died of a stroke. People were saying that his symptoms were paralysis down the left side and a loss of speech, classic stroke symptoms. But she was so devastated um, that she went to the local magistrate and said, I killed a man because I cursed him. And they were like, that that sounds right because it's, the, <laughs> it's the 1600s. Yes. A show tonight? <laughs> Strokes, what's that? Sure. Yeah. So there, it does get a little more complicated. So Allison does come from a family of cunning folk. So the cunning folk were people who were kind of pagans, kind of witches, not really. They were just kind of local healers in the community who that retained knowledge of medicines and plants and some of the local lore. So she confessed again that she had killed this man and she not only turned herself in as a witch she also accused her grandmother who was a cunning folk and their two neighbors as well of witchcraft i know she so she just brought them down with her she's yeah. like you're coming with oh not only that she also i don't think she confessed but because she was accused by herself her whole family also was imprisoned with her so 12 people all of a sudden were incarcerated on charges of witchcraft for pins because she swore to guy. girl let's go yeah and this is kind of similar to what happened with the salem witch trials this triggered a massive witch hunt where people were turning in their neighbors turning in their friends and their family and i believe allison for sure and i think the grandmother ended up being executed for witchcraft i don't know about the other 12 people but they were interrogated and held for four months in this little tiny prison that was just rock floor some of them were 80 years old so some of them died just waiting to have a trial yeah pretty crazy witches were called devil worshippers and certain aspects of paganism were criminalized like fertility rituals and sex for pleasure which was another way of kind of cracking down and enforcing the christian agenda so sex was illegal and then again this isn't like the 15th 16th centuries sex was illegal on wednesdays fridays and sundays <laughs> and it was also illegal for 40 days before christmas and 40 days before easter well, of course. And i think <laughs> i think that leaves a total of like maybe 20 days throughout the entire year that you could actually have sex oh Legal my classic. gosh but it was just for procreation you weren't supposed to have sex because you wanted to so what, was, like, because it was pleasurable everyone would be born around the same time if they only yeah. had like 20 days. <laughs> Imagine if it was like Wait. they were all Gemini's. It's about to be like, what if? And you know, if someone break the rule too, you know, you like, yeah, this kid born at a random time. You're like, yeah. whoa. That's strange. <laughs> That's so true. Wild. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. So because of some of these kind of ridiculous, hilarious rules that the church was enforcing, some people decided to create a new religion by kind of taking the whole idea of Satan worshiping and how that was anti-Christian. And they used that as a way to protest against the church and to make mockery of its ideologies. So they created Satanism as a parody of Christianity. No way, really? Yes. So that's why Satanism, again, it's so different from witchcraft because witchcraft is a lot more focused on like nature. And again, there is no Satan to be heard of because Christianity is a totally different branch. But Satanism and Christianity are the same branch. And so even just the things like obviously some of the symbols of Satanism are the reversed cross. (laughs) It's literally like we took Christianity and we flipped it and That's that's it. So to to be clear, say the origins of Satanism come as like some people just want to take the piss out of Christians and we're yep. like, we're going to make fun of you and start worshiping the thing that you hate just to make you yep. mad at us. Totally. They're the original trolls. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. That's so great. I love it. So, yeah. Wow. I don't take credit for any of that because I'm, I'm not a Satanist, but it is pretty hilarious. So <laughs> it is. Satan worshippers are pretty cool, I guess. They're a little scary, a little, a little edgy, but yeah. but cool. I respect them. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, like, how have they progressed, right? Like, are they... I was wondering that. You know? I think some... <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's, like, a very variety of... Uh, I mean, as, I assume there is also a modern variety of people who practice witchcraft or wiccanism or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I feel Absolutely. like there's, like, a, a big variety. Some people are just, like, Satan, and other people are, like, Satan. Yeah, Yeah, because there are a lot of witches who also (laughs) worship Satan as a deity and kind of practice some of the things that the satanic church practices as well. There's a lot of overlap. I have Um, another question. Yeah, Katie, go. Um, So obviously, like, there's probably a lot of gods, but is there a god, like the god of the afterlife or the god of the underworld as, like, Hades would be? Who's, like, not like Satan, but just, like, I guess, like, yeah, he just lives there and he hangs there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Because there's um, some witches actually worship Hades. There's Celtic versions of that. Kaliak is the Celtic version, and she is also a crone or a hag. She's also the goddess of winter. And so a lot of our beliefs are very cyclical and related to the seasons. So winter is a time of darkness and death. And so obviously that would be the the time that Kaliak or the figure of death would be most prominent. And death, actually, and like the spiritual aspects of death also kind of come from that same paganism, developmental and like paleolithic logic. It's quite interesting. The idea of an afterlife came through dreams because the only way that you could visit people who had died in your life was in your dreams. And back then, of course, obviously, again, we're cavemen. People didn't understand what dreams were. Mm. But all of a sudden you have this phenomena of my cousin died last week and yet i can go to sleep and in my dreams i see him so he must be living on some some part of him must be still alive if i can see him and talk to him and you know and be with him and so that's where the idea of an underworld or an afterlife came from was that okay there has to be some place where you go when you die because i can go there too in this kind of the dream state has become that intermediary where the living can visit the dead or the dead can kind of come through the veil right so yeah that's where the afterlife comes from again it's just a very logical way of thinking about the world when you don't have scientific logic it's so neat oh my god it's so cool makes you think exactly (laughs) So, again, we're talking about the Satanists and how the Satanists were obviously 
making fun of the church and the church identified them as anti-Christian. And it kind of worked out because they were able to then lump other anti-Christian organizations like witches or cunning folk or whatever into that same equation. And that's why mm. witches are often equated to Satanists. I was just going to say, so they kind of backfired on them. Kind <laughs> sort of did. Like, sort of prank they're they trying to pull. Like, yeah, they kind of dragged a bunch of people down with them. <laughs> yeah. I watched it because it's entertaining, but like the Netflix Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, like kind of pissed me off because they were using a lot of, like they talk about Hecate. They talk about the, the spring ritual of Ostara. Easter, by the way, comes from Ostara or Yoster. Same. I thought it came from same, a bunny. Well, actually, so one of the symbols of <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> of Easter or Ostara is the rabbit and the egg because those are all so about fertility, So she's the right? Easter bunny. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, literally it. Easter and Christmas are like super pagan. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. They have a lot of pagan stuff in them. Yeah, like Christians yeah. literally, like like Jesus was born in spring or something. He's born in. He was. He was born in like April, I think. Yeah, he's a yeah. Taurus. Easter again. Yeah, we just adopted Prob- things. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> I'm a Taurus. Come on, um, you're a Taurus. Does that oh my god, change my best our friend's view. A Taurus. <laughs> Sorry. Does that change our view of Jesus now that he's a Taurus? He's a bull, man. So <laughs> does it? Does that make sense though? Like he paved the way for other. He would be a bull, right? <laughs> Hey, it's true. I mean, stubborn, stubborn guy. Yeah. Better than being a Gemini. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a Gemini. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Patrick, you're the least Gemini male I've ever met. Wait, really? Patrick, when's your birthday? June the 3rd. I'm also a June baby, but I'm a Cancer. Well, yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> That's a horrible thing. <laughs> I love you, Katie. As in, like, you're great. You're wonderful. Yes, she is a Cancer. It's the worst sign. It's fine. I yeah. I thought Gemini was, but... Well, it's a crab and a 69, so... Yeah. <laughs> and cancer, so... Do with that what yeah. you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I see what you mean. <laughs> Mine's pretty bad, too. It's just a Libra, so they're like, you're indecisive and we'll do what other people tell you to do. I'm like, whoa, wait. Whoa. Oh, my God. Hold up. <laughs> Not to deter too much, I just want to go back. Liz, what do you mean that I'm the, the nicest... What's a Gemini man usually? I don't know much about oh. astrology, so... Oh, um, they're horrible? A lot, of ga- a lot of gaslighting, a lot of... So, Gemini they are known as the kind of dual sign right so they have the they have a good and an evil side usually i don't think you have an evil bone in your body but (laughs) (laughs) oh no here it is but but gemini men are one of the kind of tropes uh when you're looking at a lot of like the the astrology stuff of like ooh, they're they're bad oh sorry all right (laughs) but you are a great example and you're busting the stereotype hell yeah love it Bust. That's what we're here to do. Busting stereotypes. <laughs> yes. Busted myths. So I did want to talk about Katie. We're coming up to genocide. This is really interesting. I'm I'm really I'm really excited. Go ahead. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I haven't done much research on it. I don't know if like Katie you have, but the witch trials that kind of are continuing around the world today. So it happens in countries like Zambia, Nigeria, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Gambia, Tanzania, and Papua New Guinea. Those are all places that while I was researching came up with specific examples of witch trials that have happened. So kind of on that topic so there's about 80,000 people that have died historically and I think another 70,000 that have died contemporarily again in places like Africa and kind of East Asia so is this a genocide and why isn't it remembered as such if it is it's a great question so when I first read that I was like 
why? But then when you think about it, if you think about witchcraft as a, as a religion that's being practiced, then obviously it fits in. The definition of genocide, just so listeners know it, is the intent to destroy in whole or in part a religious, ethnic, racial, or national group. And there's like a whole bunch. One day we'll do a genocide episode and we'll actually go into the rest of the definition, but obviously religious fits right there. Um, so that's like a really interesting question if we think about that. Mm. I have never considered it. I haven't considered it in the modern context either because all the modern witchcraft stuff I've ever considered has been not like positive, but like the ways in which certain cultures still use like witchcraft. I don't know. I had to watch this video once about a lady who gave birth to a snake and everyone was like, she gave birth to a snake. And okay, yes, she gave birth to a snake. Yeah. And then we, we, we all said yes. It was very confusing, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know. I'll find the video maybe and we'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, I had to watch it for one of my classes. Something traumatizing to watch. No, just you didn't see her give birth to the snake. It was just people like That's recounting good. how like she, the okay. snake had come out of her, and you were like, "That's so crazy." I don't know. I'm. You know what? Maybe it did come out of her. Maybe I'm just wrong. But anyway, going back to the original question, I think you could, in the historical context, definitely refer to it as a genocide. In the modern context, you also could. The, the thing that I would say why it's not remembered in that way is the way organized by one entity, which is what we find with most genocides is like spearheaded by like a group or whatever. And yeah, like I know a little bit about the witch trials. I took a whole witchcraft course, guys, and I remember almost nothing. Although I did read that <laughs> Malice Maleficarum. I did have to read it. It was very Whoa. long and very boring. Oh my God. Just FYI. Don't do it. Like in Salem and stuff, like it's obviously all being spearheaded by people. But I think that because they're all isolated incidents, people are less inclined to be like, that's a genocide. Only 10,000 people died. And you're like, oh, only 10,000? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Sure. But yeah, I think that, that's a really cool question. And we, we should come back to it when we do a genocide episode and like revisit this and maybe do some more research into this and come up with reasons for or reasons against although i really am leaning towards the four although i hadn't thought of it until like i literally scrolled down on our notes but yes i like this interesting especially the modern cases here that'd be really interesting to see how it's dealt with because i feel like with the the medieval settings a lot of it like you were saying was hysteria and just like blaming your neighbor sometimes like they like we saw in the crucible maybe you'll be talking about that later it was just kind of (laughs) like oh this like i cheated on my husband but i don't really want to take credit for that so this lady yeah she made me do it she's a witch you know like you're just trying Mm -hmm. to offload your your sins on other people so i never saw it like a genocide that's so interesting it's awful (laughs) yeah (laughs) new perspective so, we're going to move into the more fun part, I think, which is myth-busting. There's theme song here. Oh, my God. Need something. Oh, my God. Wait. Yeah. Someone sing it. What is it? I don't, I don't know. If I, I don't even remember. <laughs> so, how is this going to go? I'm going to tell you a specific stereotype, which is thing. And you're going to tell me if you think it's true or false. Oh. Some of these things you might already know, but I'm also going to throw some other things at you, especially things that aren't in the notes. Okay. So. We're starting with kind of easy one. Um, the witch's hat, the pointy hat. I, I want to say a real yes, thing that but I feel like no. no. I wish it was want, a real thing. I want a pointy hat. I want to say yes too, because I feel like there's a lot of old drawings and maybe even paintings. But like, totally what would be the practical it. purpose of it? You know, and also, how would they make the conical shape? Yeah, I'm gonna say no. And what would maybe it be made of? Leather? Oh, well, maybe it wasn't exactly like maybe the cone got exaggerated over time. 
Mm. Maybe at first it was just like a symbol of like them being together, like just a little little comb, <laughs> just a little hat. <laughs> and little it grew hat. as time went on. Yeah, it got bigger, as it got more and powerful. Bigger, bigger. The longer the powerful. comb, the more powerful the witch. <laughs> like a bishop in the church. That's great. Yes. Is that how the bishops' <laughs> uh, hats work? No. No. <laughs> oh. no it does not how cool no, would that be? Like you're a first year bishop and you have a little teeny hat. Oh my oh god. My god. I will. I, I'll say false for it. I don't think you're gonna say false. Hats. I think that if they wore anything, it would be like a hood or something. But I feel like they they wouldn't want to draw too much attention. A to hood. Themselves. Oh, that's a very good point. A hood is you know, very. Like you wouldn't want to be like, hey guys. <laughs> Here I am. You know. So. Patrick, you were right. Boom. This is false. Boom. It's historically false. Heck yeah. So the witch's hat. So we're talking about the pointy hat. Of course, we know this has taken on huge popularity from everything from Halloween costumes to Harry Potter. Uh, shout out Professor McGonagall. Shout out Sorting Hat. Uh, Maggie <laughs> Smith, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Dream come true. Sponsor us. This is just going to be a shout out podcast. Now. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> of people who will never listen. Yeah. So the witch's hat is a myth and it was created, surprise, surprise, by the church. Uh, so this myth first appears in the late 15th century, and it's actually based out of a really kind of outdated fashion trend at the time. So in the early 15th century, so we're talking like early 1400s, women would wear this really fashionable headpiece called a hennin. It's also called a dunce cap. So your classic, think of the old Victorian schoolhouse with the dunce cap, pointy hat. And you know when you go to uh, Medieval Times, well, Medieval Times, and they have all the different hats that you can buy? Yeah. Like Renaissance princess hats. It's a very traditional Renaissance pointy hat with like the little veil coming off the end. Yeah. So that's a Henin. And when this myth was constructed, the Henin was a very outdated hmm. fashion accessory. There's a huge topic of debate right now that flared leggings are coming back. So it's like they are the you know, you have a side part and you're wearing regular straight leg leggings and not flared leggings and a middle part. Oh, my God. That makes no. you outdated. It, it flared leggings or what all the Gen Z. Are we Gen Z? I don't, I don't like it. Um, we are, are the wearing? OG flared legging peoples. Like, I'm yes. sorry, yoga pants? Yeah, they're yeah. literally just yoga pants. And they're like flared leggings. So I'm like, those are yoga pants. Yoga they look pants. cute on. <laughs> don't get me wrong. You look great. And it's they're, also they're the yoga pants. number one way to get your pants stuck in your bike chain. Ooh, yeah, that's I don't know if people bike no, anymore. Just that. do what I do and don't bike. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't bike. Don't walk. It's don't leave your danger. house. <laughs> don't leave your house. Don't leave your closet. <laughs> Especially today. So. <laughs> but um, yeah. So because this was such an outdated like fashion accessory, the church depicted in their paintings and whatever else, witches wearing this outdated hat, so it would make paganism look outdated. I just can I just say how funny it is that the church is like, how do I make fun of these people? I know we're gonna put them in old fashion. They're gonna look not fashionable. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then everyone knows they're wrong. Exactly. Wow. And that we're gonna look cool. We're gonna look so cool because we're gonna have the hip, trendy. You know, I don't know. Robes. Fucking. Okay, myth number two: broomsticks flying around on a broomstick. True or false? False. Maybe not the flying part, but broomsticks. So, okay. <laughs> people don't fly. People do fly. I fly all the time. Oh, you're right. On airplanes, that's true. <laughs> um, from my remember how I referenced, I took a witchcraft course that everyone was like, "It's a bird course." It was not a bird course, but I didn't. Doesn't matter. Why am I going in that? Um, from what I remember of that course, no, but it was because 
people were all gathering all together and it was like how are all these country folk getting together in the middle of the night they must be flying there and then also because broomsticks look phallic yes do you think a part of it is that like broomsticks equal domesticity and is that any part of it there's a little bit of that that's what i always thought you're you're onto something pat you're onto something so i often broomsticks obviously false uh flying false but it's quite interesting how flying on broomsticks came to be it's really it's probably one of my favorite things to share with people there's two things I'll, I'll start with the more boring one is that there are traditional practices that pagans would do to increase fertility on the crops which would be to dance around with broomsticks and pitchforks around the crops at night <laughs> but the more fun version and where the flying comes from so again in the 14th century when witchcraft began to be persecuted, there was a popular medicinal plant known as belladonna or deadly nightshade, uh, the berries that Katniss uh, threatens to eat with no pita, the end of the Hunger Games. I love the Hunger Games. Sorry, we, this right? is not the topic, but I love the Hunger Games. Oh, me too. Me too. Absolutely. So they would make, um, okay, so the leaves of deadly nightshade, and there's several other like that are in the nightshade family. Fun fact, tomatoes are actually in the nightshade family. Um, yeah, right? Um, they contain hallucinogenic properties and many healers who were known to be the cunning folk slash witches slash witchy inclined people would make special brews, which are basically like a, like a tincture or they would make ointments and people would use those, apply them to get high, like just to trip. And somewhere in there, I don't, I really want to know how this was discovered, but someone discovered that if you applied it to mucous membranes, it's much more powerful. Oh, good. <laughs> so, Wait, are we talking about cocaine 13, now? <laughs> kind of. It's a similar, it's a similar thing. In 1324, there was a, an investigation of a suspected witch and a witness said they had observed her doing the following. In rifling the closet of the lady, they found a pipe of ointment, wherewith she greased a staff upon which she ambled and galloped through thick and thin. So basically, women were applying this hallucinogenic ointment to their genital mucous membranes using staffs like broomsticks. And again, this was in the 15th century, but the vulgar believe and the witches confess that on certain days or nights, they anoint a staff and ride on it to the appointed place or anoint themselves under the arms and in other hairy places, because those are also where glands are and where you could, again, get more powerful effects. And as for flying on the broomsticks, the experience of being high on hallucinogens was often described as flying. So you're not actually flying on a broomstick. You're literally like getting high off a broomstick what a ride <laughs> what a ride <laughs> literally what a ride <laughs> that's fantastic oh my god right wow this is pretty good there you go wow that's a good one yeah all right <laughs> another one let's see wands do you think witches use wands yes or no no that was a fast note just cause like never really seen that depicted other than in harry potter yeah, and what would they use them for, you know? Unless they were like, you know, the, the staff that Gandalf has. Is that correct? I've seen Lord of the Rings once. Shall 
the wand might be attached to maybe the, the spoon used like to make the potions mixing and the cauldron oh. no yeah 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 <laughs> maybe okay um, on, on top of wands cauldrons as well oh, oh. that's a, okay but i think like, yes. maybe it could make their ointment yeah, that's what I was thinking. You need something to make your ointment in. Like, they're practicing medicine, in a sense, so. So, wands are used. I have a wand. I'm not going to pull it out, but I'm currently in the process of making it. I'm still working on it. But, yeah, wands are used as, a, what, like what you said, a focus or a way to point your energy at a specific thing. So, if you're casting a circle, which is, like, a way to, like, protect yourself, you use your wand. Yeah. And what's interesting, so there's kind of the more pagan version of like birth stones everyone has a birth tree that's associated with each month so my birth tree is willow um so my wand i got a piece of a willow from my local park cool. that has a willow tree in it and that's what i make my wand out of yeah so everyone has birth tree and that's usually the wood that you kind of associate with and it's very weird because i didn't know this for a really long time but as a kid i always loved willows i was obsessed with willows and i didn't know why and my partner, he's obsessed with elder. Like, he loves, like, elderberries and, like, elder, for some reason, elderwood. And his is an elder tree. So, whoa. Kind of interesting. So, um, Harry Potter stole that right from Harry you Potter guys? Harry Potter stole a lot of stuff, including <laughs> anti-Semitism. Harry Potter stole a lot of stuff. And cauldrons. Oof. Cauldrons are also are also something that we use as well. Um, similar to indigenous cultures, how you use, like, um, the abalone shells to, like, burn things in. Cauldrons, same thing. Um, a lot of spells are like burning things and, and creating incense and yeah. And it was literally also used to make potions and brews and whatever else, which are basically teas and tinctures. Just a more fancy way of saying it. But yeah. I looked at the birth tree chart. And if either of you are curious. I am curious. If you're not curious. Yeah, go for it. Your birthday is October what? 17th. On seventeenth. Yeah. Uh, Liz can tell me if this is correct. It looks like it's ivy. Yeah. Whoa. And Patrick? Oh, June 3rd. <laughs> Thanks for remembering. Uh, Hawthorne. Ooh, I've never Ooh, heard of that before. Very nice. I don't know what Hawthorne is. No, me neither. I'm sorry. It's all right. What are you, you Katie? Know? Oak. Oh. Oak is the most sacred of trees in witchcraft. <gasps> it's the original I tree. Want. It's the tree of knowledge. <laughs> so you it's a really out. good tree to have. <laughs> <laughs> Katie's got the best tree. That's fine. <laughs> I have the worst Katie's sign, so it, it works out, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm winning this true or false thing, so. <laughs> okay. We are heading into our very last myth. Aww. And then we're going to talk maybe a little bit about feminism and witchcraft, because it's something very interesting. Yeah, gender history, like social history. It'll be really fun. It's our thing. The last one. True or false? Supernatural powers. <laughs> True, obviously. Um, You've cursed all of us multiple times. Well, sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I think my answer is dependent on whether or not subscribe to the religion. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I feel like it's false. I feel like that's what we're going for. But I will say, as someone who believes, you know, who's 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 a, like a, a Christian, like a practicing Christian. I mean, I, I believe in, you know, spiritual stuff. So who am I to say if it's true or false? Anyway. That's my soapbox. Totally. Um, but I'm going to go with false because that's what Katie said and she has the best tree. So. <laughs> yeah, I agree with what Patrick said. It's definitely up to where you stand inside the, the religion. Yeah, you guys are right. 
we don't have supernatural powers. Um, that's I don't even really know where the history history of that comes from, other than like you must be demonic if you practice things that you know bring about supernatural powers. But we do practice magic, and magic is so it's it comes more from neo paganism, which we like to call it. it. Comes from the 1960s kind of rebirth of witchcraft, which is something that I practice today, and the majority of witches practice today that are still practicing. So it's more like kind of this rebirth of previously oppressive things, which has happened again through feminism, which we're going to talk about as well. So the use of say, calling things magic is a little tongue in cheek, I guess. Of <laughs> you call yourself a witch, you practice magic, and you do spells, whatever else. But magic isn't about turning people into newts or manipulating a situation. <laughs> um, it's just again a cooler name for manifestation. Robin gets the Thank Monty you Python so much. joke. <laughs> Whoa, she turned me into a newt. A newt. She turned me into a newt. A newt. I got better. better. I got newt. better. <laughs> So yeah, no, we don't turn people into newts and we don't make them better either. Well, sometimes we would make them better, but we wouldn't turn them into newts. But spell work is combining your intention with an action, very similar to prayer. Um, so your intention is everything. And if you aren't careful enough with your intent, that's when things start to go awry. So I made an example. An example would be, I want to make more money this week. If you aren't specific enough, if you don't specify an outcome, if you don't exactly envision what you want to happen unless you say i want to make an extra a hundred dollars in tips at work by friday if you don't end up saying something like that you're literally just going to find a dollar on the side of the road and the universe will be like there you go that's your that's your intention you did it and you're like okay yeah that's not what i wanted but Right. So yeah, the universe has a really great sense of humor and your intention is really what matters. But we're also able to use things to magnify that intention. So we often use special tools like wands, like cauldrons. There's different uh, groups of witchcraft. I practice a lot of green witchcraft, which is essentially working with herbs and being in nature and all that, all that great stuff. Um, so I use a lot of herbs and I learn about their magical properties and their medicinal properties and use that in spell work. But you can also use crystals, incense, meditation, offerings, deities, candles, all of these different things. If I wanted to attract more financial wealth, I would look at my book of magical herbs and I would find one that brings in money. So let's say I would use cinnamon, which is traditionally used for success, allspice, which is for financial success and luck, bergamot for prosperity, and maybe some jasmine tea, which is um, about attraction. And then I always throw in sea salt for protection and just kind of grounding. So I can blend those all together in a clockwise motion. Clockwise in witchcraft is called diocial or docial, which is the Gaelic word for clockwise and counterclockwise is called widdershins. Counterclockwise banishes and clockwise attracts. So I would do everything clockwise. Every time I make my coffee in the morning, I do my little whatever I want to attract for the day. I do like three things. I just say over it and I just stir it clockwise three times. And that's my, that's my little morning ritual of just like, these are things I want to attract. So yeah, I would do that. And then I would put that mixture, have a ritual bath. I could burn it as incense. I could also pick a candle in a corresponding color. So I would pick green for financial success. And you can use oil and just kind of like rub, rub it on the candle. And I would do that with the candle facing towards me, like the wick facing towards me. Because again, I want to attract. If I was banishing, I would do the other way. Things are very literal in witchcraft, which I love. And then you could burn that candle and that would seal your spell. So 
but yeah that's like that's just how it works it's not about magic supernatural powers and as wiccans or as witches um like there are rules and laws that we abide by the biggest one is the rule of three which is three times your acts return to thee so if i was to hex someone or do ill will towards someone that comes back to me three times as bad it's karma right um, so there are laws that bind us and there obviously there are people who do hex people and there are witches who believe in like doing bad things um, but that comes back to you so you shouldn't do it so it's yeah very opposite of what the church traditionally wanted people to believe that right. we're hexing people and cursing people left and right and that we're evil no right. we're just trying to live our best lives we're just trying to you know get that promotion or get that find bread. that love interest you know yeah get that bread that's really interesting it's pretty cool. It's just like a really neat way of making your intention physical, I guess. Right. It's kind of cool. All right. So I wanted to talk about witchcraft and feminism because I think this is really interesting. So we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of the iconography, again, that we mentioned in the beginning of like the good witch and the bad witch, the hot witch versus the ugly hag witch and where that comes from because there is a lot of history there as well. So... A lot of people, I think, know that witchcraft and pagan witchcraft is having a major cultural moment right now. It's starting to get very trendy with crystals and all these other things. And that's actually partly due to fourth wave feminism. Witches, as depicted in the media, reveal a deeply oppressive history of how women have been treated. Not only does this relate to thousands of lives lost in the witch trials, but it also relates to how femininity is portrayed today. So the classic good witch, bad witch dichotomy uh, represents often how women are to behave in society. If you behave in a vulgar manner, you are an old hag with green skin and you have a massive warty nose. If you abide by the rules of femininity, you are bestowed with blessings and beauty. So if you're someone like Samantha from Bewitched, you're a good witch and your sole purpose is to just be helpful towards men. That your, your power and your magic comes from just simply, you know, being benevolent. Bad witches are often violent, evil, and embody the anti-feminine, according to the patriarchy. So there's some really interesting iconography from the suffragette movement and how people used witches to portray suffragettes as evil, outdated, ugly, anti, you know, anti-everything, right? But we have things like women flying on a broomstick holding a man by like a noose trying to kill him and so traditionally women suffragettes were kind of portrayed as violent and also ugly like they all have big noses and they're sweaty and ugly and again they're aggressive towards their men i've seen some that i can't find them on the internet but one that was really interesting was like oh she's a suffragette and she'll die old and alone and ugly because no one will ever want to be with her <sighs> And that's where a lot of these come from of like, you're old and you're ugly if you're a suffragette and you're never going to find love and you're not a woman. And that's why you should never be a suffragette. Yeah. So men have used the trope of ugly hags and witches to vilify feminists. And this is especially prevalent during the suffragette movement. And many cards, ads, other media at the time often depicted suffragettes as old women. They were riding broomsticks and they were enacting violence towards men. But reinvigorating the witch iconography today um, is a really good way of reclaiming a sexist trope, as well as modern witchcraft has become this kind of feminist movement. Um, so not only reclaiming the like really violent past of the witch trials, but also the more contemporary past. So it's kind of interesting. So next time you encounter a witch, I think especially 
in like media if you're watching sabrina or you're watching bewitched or you're watching the wizard of oz like it's really interesting to see how that's an expression of gender more than just yeah. like a cool kooky character for sure that was really cool that was really interesting yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. And yeah, thanks for, like, I mean, it's you. obviously really personal to you, right? So thanks for opening up about that. That's really cool. Yeah. No, I really like talking about it. And it's, there's people talking about witchcraft and there's people talking about like gender history and stuff, but they aren't like putting them together. Which is surprising. Um, like, I feel right? like that should be the first thing you think of. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just like, why are these other tropes, like how women are hypersexualized in the media, but then looking at tropes of like witchcraft. Right isn't included in that which i find interesting Mm. especially like the modern interpretation because i know for a long time people were like oh the witchcraft trials were just against women and so like there has been feminist angles at that but not at the idea of what is a modern witch and like what is a modern depiction of a witch Mm -hmm. i agree my witchcraft class did the same thing it was framed under like this is how women were persecuted but yeah i didn't even know that about the suffragettes like i think my feminist class could have like used that that's really interesting Mm -hmm totally yeah it's not just like a medieval history thing and it's not like oh well people didn't really have a good understanding of plague or whatever else and so you just blamed it on witches but we know better now like we don't we don't this this trope is still used and the idea of the ugly witch or the good witch or the the hypersexual witch versus the depraved old hag is still a way of accusing women as witches and persecuting them for their femininity it's just, it's the same thing, just in a different packaging, a more glamorous packaging, if you will. Mm. Yeah. I mean, something that springs to mind for me would be like, God, I never want to talk about him ever. But the old president, the president who isn't president anymore, talking about witch hunts all the time, you know? Yes. And, and, and what I just find interesting is that like, like, so like what we're talking about is that witchcraft isn't really thought of in this same sort of oppressed way. You know what I mean? I would imagine if you're a, a practicing witch hearing that would be incredibly offensive to hear like some awfully misogynistic horrible person you know taking what actually was horrible that happened to people like you and applying yeah. it to himself i feel like that would be like incredibly horrible and yet that was just sort of like a that's just him being an idiot you know yep, totally yeah just like any racist slanderous thing that he said it's similar but again it obviously the holocaust it's a really good example of genocide and obviously is a very legitimate genocide and i don't want to say that we should be acknowledging the witch trials and the persecution of witches like it's not on the same level as the holocaust at all but it's not remembered as an act of violence towards women Mm. it's more of just like this thing that some people are kind of obsessed with similar to titanic or whatever these kind of weird eerie things but yeah it's more than that yeah or that they only focus on the salem witch trial which is just one very isolated incident and it's very different from the persecution of a ton of other witches like they were thousands of witches that were that were killed in germany and england and france and scotland like all over Mm. and my ancestors are welsh and there is this gigantic document that has just been fully digitized with over 2,000 pages and it's an entire ledger from like a few hundred years of witches that have been tried and persecuted so i'm still trying to find my family name i know that my ancestors like spiritually like know I am an ancestral witch, even though like my mom doesn't practice or my, my, my mom practices, but she doesn't identify as a witch. She's always been into meditation and, and manifesting and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But yeah, I know that I have ancestors that were persecuted and people's last names, a lot of last names are, are on those ledgers of people who had died by being persecuted as a witch, but most of them were persecuted as a witch, but we're not actually witches. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. Well, and I think this, that kind of highlights the other part of the conversation, which is that, I mean, 
you have the category of people who are practicing witches and then you have the people who were identified like identified by others as witches but weren't actually witches and, and so you have these two mm -hmm. sort of parallel histories both about women yeah. and gender uh but in in slightly different ways we have one about sort of like mass hysteria and uh and mass honestly anxiety about masculinity and all that sort of stuff yeah directed at um any woman regardless if they actually are practicing which and then you have the sort of cultural stereotypes about witches themselves mm -hmm. um, which is interesting yeah. makes you think yeah that should be the tagline for this podcast it makes you think <laughs> the digital dust podcast it makes you think if you practice witchcraft let us know shoot us yeah. a dm follow us i'm always looking for people to connect with yeah other things you myths you want busted yeah other myths other pieces of history you want to know if we could do like we could do another one where we talk more about the witch trials and in, in more specific um if you want to hear that let us know uh rate and review this podcast please and thank you please yeah and share it and share and it. Love it and love it and follow us on tiktok <laughs> <laughs> katie makes such good tiktoks i love them thank you. i'm honored it's they my favorite really pastime so this has been great. Thank you, Liz, for telling us all about witchcraft and the history, giving us, honestly, like, such an in-depth history. If you liked this, leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram for all the pictures, and there will be a blog post with more pictures. Yeah. Maybe some, like, other interesting tidbits, things like that. Some bonus info, you know. Bonus, yeah, for the people who go the extra mile. You get a, yeah. a gold star via the blog. <laughs> And other than that, I think we'll see you on the flippity-flop. Flippity-flop. See you on the flippity-flop. <laughs>